0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Sooner Nation podcast, the online podcast of heartlandsports.com. I'm Matt Hofeld, excited because it's not just game week. It's almost game day. The clock has turned. We're no longer in the eighth month of the year. It is September, and the Sooners are just days away from their oh-so-early 11 a.m. kickoff season opener on the road against Houston. Don't let anybody fool you by saying that this is a neutral site game. It's absolutely not. I mean, it's it would be equivalent to for a team to come in and play the Sooners somewhere in Oklahoma City there's no way it's a neutral site now the good thing is that it's a it's a big NFL stadium in Oklahoma fans the way i understand it are traveling in mass and so you'll you'll have a good contingent of sooner fans there but at the end of the day the cougars are waking up Saturday morning in their own backyard in an area of familiarity where the sooners are taking a road trip Greg Ward Jr. That that's the thing. That's the thing Oklahoma has to deal with and and I'm excited we've got Jeremy Branham, the sideline reporter for the Houston Cougars coming up. We're going to talk to him about Greg Ward Jr. We're going to talk to him about about a whole bunch of a uh, whole bunch of things with this game. I'm excited to hear his take. But here's the thing. Bob Stoops said it on Monday. Everything in this offense goes through Greg Ward Jr. Now, I know that's typical for any quarterback. If you, I mean, the quarterback and the center are the only two guys who touch the ball on every single play of the game. But it's, it's a little different connotation with this. Greg Ward Jr. is that perfect dual-threat guy. He's not incredibly accurate, but he's accurate enough, and he's got receivers that are tall enough and, and lengthy enough and, and fast enough to make you pay for not paying attention. He's smart. He knows when to tuck the ball and run. He knows when to scramble and wait for opportunity downfield. And he's strong. I mean, he's only 5'11", 185, but he's strong for his size. And he's going to be the biggest task that Oklahoma has to take on this weekend. But let's not make the mistake of going in here and thinking that this is the Oklahoma Sooners versus the Greg Ward show. Chance Allen is a guy that I, I kind of started following last year. I'll be honest with you, kind of got into him for some fantasy purposes on, on FanDuel and stuff like that. But Chance Allen is a big target. 6'3", 215. Duke Catalan is a new running back. This, this is a kid that was uh, with the Texas Longhorns, decided to transfer, set out last year for the NCAA transfer rules. In 2014, not only was he a four-star recruit, but he was the number 10 running back in that class, according to 24-7 Sports. What's Tom Herman saying about Duke Catalan? Tom, Tom Herman's comfortable comparing him to some of the best running backs he's ever been around, ever coached. So this is an offense that's loaded for bear, kind of like what Oklahoma's bringing. I, I think this is going to be a high-scoring Last person with the ball has a chance to either win it or put it away. It's going to be, I don't know what the over under is in this game. But it, without knowing what it is, I think I would look at the over. Cougars were number 10 in the nation last year in scoring offense, 40.4 points per game. So, what do you do? How, how do you game plan for this offense? What should Oklahoma's defense focus on? Well, I mean, three things is kind of what we do. That's our that's our format here. So let me give you three things. And the first thing you have to do against the Houston defense is you have to overpower them at the point of attack. You have to win the line of scrimmage. And Oklahoma did an adequate job at that last year. It was adequate enough to get them into the playoff, but not adequate enough to advance beyond the semifinals. But opportunity's there, at least on paper it appears that it is. Center Will Noble is the only returning starter on this Houston Cougars offensive line. So you're replacing both tackles, replacing both guards, and while Oklahoma is replacing guys like Charles Tapper and so forth, up there in the middle where Charles Walker, Jordan Wade, where those guys are going to live, that's where, that's where you have to win. You have to win the battle at the front. This is Oklahoma's first opportunity against a top 15 program to say we have fixed one of our fatal flaws from a year ago. People are going to—that's that, one thing the national opponents are going to look at. They're going to look at this offense and they're going to say, "Yep, yeah, Baker Mayfield's back and, and he's a stud." Samaje Perine and Joe Mixon are two of the best running backs in the nation. You've got Speed on the Edges and D.D. Westbrook. You've got a guy, Mark Andrews, who's a mismatch. But what can you do up front? Because I remember the Texas game. I remember the Clemson game where Oklahoma got beaten up front. And if they're not any better up front this year than they were a year ago, then they're not going to go any further than they did last year. That, that's what the national pundits are going to be looking at in this game. And Oklahoma has to win the point of attack. I think the other thing you have to do, and this is kind of a no-brainer when you're playing a dual-threat quarterback like Greg Ward Jr., you've got to contain. You want to funnel everything up the middle. You don't want Greg Ward Jr. hitting the edge on you. Yeah, they're going to roll him out, and he's going to try to do some bootleg stuff. Your corner has to be the widest man on the field when you're rolling, Your defensive ends have to play containment. And you want him to move up the middle. And that's why it's so important for them to overpower Houston at the point of attack. Because if you're getting pushed back in the middle, and you're trying to funnel everything in the middle, then all of a sudden your linebackers are tied up. And it's open field for a guy who literally is a star in college football. But if you overpower the point of attack and you're pushing them backwards and you've got containment on both sides, and now your quarterback's trying to run up the middle, the linebackers are free. And that leaves it open for Jordan Evans and company to do their thing. I'm really excited about Tay Evans. I think I think Oklahoma fans are going to be in for a treat with him. I I don't see him as being a bust type of player. So how do you attack the Houston offense? Well, you overpower the point of attack. You got to funnel everything through the middle. You got to contain. And the third thing you have to do is you have to stop the run. With all the fuss that's made about Greg Ward Jr. and I'm on record saying the kid's a star. when you look at their stats last year they were 13th in the nation rushing 44th in the nation passing 13th in the nation rushing 44th in the nation passing and they're bringing in a stud at running back what do you think the Cougars are gonna try to do they saw the orange Bowl footage they're gonna try to run the ball they're straight up gonna try to run on Oklahoma and if you're a defensive coordinator, as quickly as you can, you want your opponent to go to plan B. You want him to go to plan B. You, you you don't want them to be able to do what they came in to do. And Houston's going to try to run the football. They're going to use a combination of Greg Ward Jr. and Duke Catalan. I keep wanting to say B.J. Catalan, and I don't know if these two guys are related or not. You'll remember uh, B.J. Catalan from, from TCU. That's one of those names that's kind of like is it's the same but it's different. I don't know. But they're gonna try to use those guys and they're gonna try to make a dent in Oklahoma's defense. And and don't don't confuse what this offense is about. They're gonna spread it out and they're gonna take shots downfield and they're gonna try to score. But they're 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 fine. They're completely fine with moving the ball four yards at a time. And that's what Oklahoma can't allow. Oklahoma's got to be able to get into that backfield. They've got to create disturbance along the line. They've got to keep everything funneled in the middle. And they've got to stop the run. That's just plain and simple what it is. Listen to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of crimsonandcreatemachine.com. There may not be a person who knows the Houston Cougars better than our man Jeremy Branham. So let's bring him in. Let's talk a little Oklahoma Sooners-Houston Cougars season opener
1: football. What special guest time now. Jeremy Branham, a Houston sports sideline reporter for the Cougars. Uh, man, I don't think there's anybody going to have a better seat in the house than you are Saturday morning, right?
2: Yeah, you know, people always say that. But uh, sometimes it can be kind of tough to, to see through all the, the big football players. You know, the defensive linemen and the offensive linemen on the sidelines make it difficult sometimes to uh, to see. But, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun being down on the sidelines. and uh, Looking forward to a great season. Looking forward to Oklahoma, one of the best teams in the nation, coming into Houston on Saturday.
1: Yeah, but you guys can go past the 30-yard line. I mean, you guys are back deep enough where you can kind of sneak down there towards the end zone and uh, get away from those players a little bit. Hey, Jimmy, let me ask you, I mean, this is a big game to, for both programs uh, to start the season. Um, you know, Tom Herman kind of pointed at it a little bit in his press conference this week that it's not necessarily an audition for the Big 12, but how convincing was his answer? Because he just kind of said, well, the people above me told me it's not. And and the reality is, he made a good point. You don't don't judge it by one game, but is there any thought, any talk, background area about this and the the addition to the Big 12 and the potential of the Cougars coming in?
2: No, I think it's kind of a separation of church and state, so to speak. I don't think that there's any Anything synonymous with uh, Big Twelve expansion rumors, and then the OU U of H game. I think it's two completely separate things on the opposite end of the spectrum. And um, it's like uh, Herman said during his, uh, his press conference on Monday that you know the, the decision by the Big Twelve and all the schools in the Big Twelve isn't going to be short-sighted based on one game at the beginning of a season 2016. You know the Big Twelve they they want what's best for the conference going forward for the next thirty forty fifty years. So if if the Big 12 is thinking along those lines, which I don't think they are, I don't think there's any chance they are, uh, it'd be it'd be kind of silly uh, to, to put all the stock in just one single game when they're looking at you know, 30, 40, 50 years of trying to build a conference and build a conference to, to be one of the elite of the Power Fives.
1: Well, one guy is going to be special regardless of which conference he played in. It's Greg Ward, Jr. He's the guy that everyone talks about. When it comes to the Houston offense, Bob Stoops said in his conference yesterday, everything goes through number one. Everything goes through Greg Ward, Jr. Tell us about him. Burst on the scene last year. Special guy. And then has what's different? Tom Herman said, you know, he's taking more responsibility with the offense. What do you see different through the preseason camp to where he left off against Florida State back in December?
2: You know, Greg's uh, is a really interesting story. He was uh, a really good high school quarterback, but was being recruited as an athlete. Uh, a lot of people had questions about his accuracy in terms of his arm. Uh, they wondered if he could be a quarterback at the Division One level, if he was big enough uh, to be a quarterback at the Division One level. Level. When they brought him in, they also had uh, John O'Korn in that recruiting class, and John O'Korn was thought of to be the guy in that recruiting class, and even you know, two, three, four games into the, the freshman year, John O'Corn was the starting quarterback. Camp. He finished the season strong. He played incredibly well. And the conversation was, well, all right, we need uh, we need Greg Ward to, to move to receiver. Greg was uh, a player that was willing to do that because he's a team guy. Uh, he wants to win more than anything. That's the one thing that he wants to do is to win. He did not care what position he was at. And then John had struggles in his sophomore season. And about midway, they said, all right, let's try Greg. Let's see if this will help out a little bit more. And Uh, Greg was good in that role. And then uh, the coaching change happened and Tom Herman, (laughs) he he, he gets called a lot of times quarterback whisperer. I don't know exactly what that means, but he's really good at grooming quarterbacks. Major Applewhite, who was a very good college quarterback in his own right, he he certainly helped out the the development of that as well. And I think the big thing with Greg is two things really. One is that he's more of a, a vocal leader now. He's always been kind of a quiet, shy guy. You know, he's, He's blue-collar. He's going to put in all the work. He's going to outwork you. He he kind of leads by example. And Herman wanted to be a vocal leader. He said, you know, you're going to be quarterback. You need to talk. You need to speak up. And that was, you know, Herman always challenges his guys no matter who you are. And and that's what Ward really did was that he became more of a vocal leader. Uh, He's taken more stock into the offense in the sense that he wants to – he wants to get to the line of scrimmage. If he sees something, sees a weakness in the defense, he wants to go with it right away. He doesn't want to look over to the sideline and wait and let the defense catch up. So that's that's the big thing with Greg. Is he's more of a vocal leader now, and uh, he, he's taking charge of the offense, and he has the ability, if he sees something in the defense,
1: to go with it right away and not uh, not hesitate by looking over at the sideline to see what the play call might be. Let's talk about the surrounding cast for Greg Warren. I I, I like – I really like Chance Allen. I mean, he's a big-body receiver. I remember some of the plays he made last year. Was six, six, he 6'3", 220, something like that? Who else Who else is there? Who's Greg Ward going to look to to dump it off or, or talk about the running backs in the backfield? Because you're replacing uh, a, a guy from last year. Who, who are the tools that, that Ward has to work with? I think the
2: best offensive tool will be Duke Catalan. He was a transfer from Texas. Uh, he grew up in Houston area, went to a Houston area high school, was a highly touted uh, recruit coming out of Eisenhower uh, in the Houston area, went off to Texas, just it didn't work out for whatever reason. He came out, uh, transferred to U of H last year, of course, had to sit out for transfer rules. And, you know, we were hearing stories about Catalan last year that he was just crushing the defense, that the scout team was crushing the first team defense because Duke Catalan was just that good um so you're, you're losing a lot on offense in terms of the rushing attack you know Kenneth Farrow's gone he has a decent chance to make the San Diego Chargers roster Ryan Jackson was a guy who was a contributor for all four years that he was with the the Cougars uh but you know a lot of people think Duke Catalan's an upgrade they, they think that the Cougars will be better running the football because of Duke Catalan uh Chance Allen is a good target and kind of plays that outside receiver role where it seems like that is, they don't get as many touches as the inside receiver guys and you know, that's one area of uh, concern with the, the Cougar offense is who's going to be the slot receiver. They they lost to Marcus Ayers, who was an underclassman, declared for the draft, uh, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the sixth round. And, you know, the Cougars are having a tough time replacing that. They, they thought they had somebody. Uh, but, you know, they had a couple of injuries to a transfer guy that they kind of penciled into that role. And his backup, a freshman who was an electrifying player, he's going to be out for the first chunk of the season. So, the other searching, uh, one of the outside guys, Lil Bonner, has been moved to, to the slot. Looks like he'll get some reps there. Uh, Eric King, who is a freshman, you might see him a little bit. He's actually uh, was a quarterback his senior year in high school. He was a great quarterback uh, who actually was committed to TCU. He committed late, signed with the University of Houston. And, you know, he kind of reminds me of Greg Ward, to be honest with you. But he's an electrifying player. He's a playmaker. How quickly does he adapt to the college game? You know, you have to uh, account for that. So that slot position is somewhat is somewhat of a question. And I think the Cougars would like it if they had a better answer to that question in the slot, but right now they don't. They're just going to have to figure it out on the fly.
1: Talking about the offensive line, you've got Will Noble coming back at the center position, but really you're replacing both guards, both tackles. How strong have they looked?
2: Well, I think it's an upgrade on the offensive line. Uh, last year was one of the most bizarre and strangest seasons on an offensive line that's uh, I've ever seen. It seemed like a new guy was getting hurt every single week. Uh, I don't think they had uh, maybe once all year that they they ran out the same starting offensive line that they had previously ran out. You know, they they moved a, they moved the defensive line freshmen over to the offensive line midway through the year. You know, towards the the latter part of the season, they had to have walk on tryouts to try just to fill up the depth on the offensive line. Last year was the, the biggest patchwork offensive line you'll ever see just because of injuries, and the injury bug killed the offensive line last year. It's pretty miraculous that it did so well offensively with how how injury-riddled the offensive line was last year. So even though you're, you're not returning many people, it's just the fact that you have some depth that offensive line. you got some big size. There was a redshirt freshman on that offensive line who was a, a really good high school recruit. Um, I, I think the offensive line is going to be good. It's deep. It, it's got some guys that are still really battling for jobs. I know there's going to be a rotation at left guard. Uh, so uh, I think the offensive line has an opportunity to be a, a strength for the Houston Cougars. I don't know if it's going to be week one of the season, uh, but I think that the offensive line
1: is actually going to be a lot vastly improved compared to last season. You're to the Center Nation the Online Podcast for Heartland Sports. Our guest right now, Jerry Brandon, part of the radio broadcast crew, for the Houston Cougars. Uh, Jeremy, when you look at Houston, is do you think that maybe the the success of the offense maybe overshadowed the defense last year? Because a lot of people talk about Greg Ward, Jr. They talk about this offense, but the defense was a 20, top 20 in, in scoring defense last year, forced a crud ton of turnovers, is, is, there, is there an equal balance there, or is it just a natural lean towards the offense when we talk about this football team? Yeah, you know, that's interesting, uh, an interesting approach to that because I think that the people close
2: to the program and people that follow uh, U of H football on a, a very close basis would, would tell you the, the opposite, that the defense was the strength of the team, uh, that the offense, while they put up some numbers, that they struggled at times, they were inconsistent a little bit at times last year. I would say people in the program thought for sure that the defense was the the strength of the program. And, you know, I guess I've never really looked at it from the other point of view that from, you know, the outside perspective, maybe it's, you know, the offense that's getting a lot of the attention and, you know, Greg Ward, certainly the face of the program, the the regional sports illustrated cover. Uh, So he's kind of the guy that gets all the attention, but, you know, last year the, the defense is what carried the team. The, the defense was very good under defensive coordinator Todd Orlando, who proved to be one of the, I think, the best, one of the best defensive coordinators in the nation. I understand it's not at a, a power five level, but uh, he proved his worth. Uh, that he, he's a great coach, I, one of the best defensive minds that I, I've been around. Todd Orlando knows what he's doing. Um, this year, the you know, there's a lot of turnovers. They lost some guys to the NFL. How how will they replace them? You know, I think this year you'll start to see more of a balanced team. I thought last year was defensive heavy. The offense was good, but I thought the defense was great. Uh, I think you have a chance where the defense is going to be
1: good and the offense is going to be equal to it. Plus 21 in turnover margin. You lost three guys that was a really good secondary. Now you've got Baker Mayfield and a a new crop of Oklahoma receivers coming in. They're going to spread the uh, ball out, spread the field. What are you looking at in this offensive defensive matchup between the Cougars and the Sooners? Well, it's
2: going to be how the secondary defends. Uh, to be to be frank with you, I think the I think U of H will show the you know front seven that that is comparable to a lot of teams that OU will face. Maybe maybe even uh, one of the better front sevens that OU will face. And I, I think Bob Stoops knows that. I think Oklahoma knows that. I don't think that they're taking uh houston lightly at all i mean it's a team that won the peach bowl last year beat florida state did it in a convincing fashion i think they're aware of that um if there's one area not necessarily a concern but one area where i, I need a question answered is you know how does the secondary replace william jackson who was a first round draft pick last year in the nfl you mentioned all the turnovers you miss uh, most of those guys who are wreaking havoc in the secondary adrian mcdonald who's also with the chargers Uh, You have a Trayvon Stewart, who was a very good college football player, who seemed to – you know, they were nicknamed the Jack Boys because they would always steal the football. Uh, So who are those guys going to be? Who's going to step up in those roles? And it's kind of a cruel task to ask them to defend Baker Mayfield at this wide-open Oklahoma offense week one. But
1: you're going to get a lot of questions answered in that game. You know, Bob Steve said that there's there's a little bit more uh, sense of urgency because it's not just a season opener, but it's a season opener against Houston – in Houston, what, what's the feeling? I mean, you, you guys, you know, you, you mentioned Florida State in, in the Peach Bowl, but also you went on the road in the second week last week uh, last season and beat Louisville. What's the mindset uh, there with the Cougar uh, program? I think the mindset's always pretty much the same under
2: Tom Ehrman, and that's been that they're, <laughs> and he said this in his press conference, that they're just this little old American conference team that no one has any respect for, and they're playing with this giant chip on their shoulder. You know, a lot of the the kids that come to U of H that have been at U of H, they're you know they're Houston, they're Houston guys, mostly Texas guys that have been passed over by a lot of the bigger schools. Now there's some exceptions to that. You've had some really good transfers that have transferred to U of H. once Herman got there. Uh, the signing of Ed Oliver, who was one of the best national recruits in the nation, that every school wanted uh, Ed Oliver on their football team, and Oliver chose to stay in Houston. And play for Coach Herman and the Houston Cougars, but most of the players on the team, uh, they, they felt like they've been disrespected. They, they weren't always the, the most highly recruited player on their team. They weren't very highly recruited going to college. Uh, they went to a Houston team that a lot of people don't really have a whole lot of respect for. You know, uh, a lot of folks in Texas call the University of Houston Cougar High. I would I take a, a huge deal of offense to that, but you know they hear that stuff, so they they don't like it. And, that's the way they play football. They play the football. They play football mad. They play football like they have something to prove, and you know that—that's what you're going to get every single game from the from a Tom Herman team. Is you know they might not be the most talented team on the field, but you're going to get their best fight every single time.
1: As a guy who covers the team, and, and obviously also when we're in these roles, we become fans of the guys that we cover. You, you look at, we talked about, you know, reloading in the Houston secondary. Oklahoma's in the same boat, reloading at the linebacker position. Uh, as Personally, is, is it good, or would you prefer that this game not be the first game of the season, but maybe week two or week three? Uh, I would
2: probably prefer it a little bit later in the season. I, I kind of like – I don't know. It's 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 kind of a, it's an interesting question. I think it, I think it kind of depends on your personal you know feel on things. I like kind of easing my way into a season. Uh, other people like saying, "All right, let's bring it on right now. See where we see where we're at. See what we got to work on." Um, I don't necessarily know what's best, to be honest with you. I don't know uh, how the Cougars are feeling. I know that they're excited and ready to go. I don't think that, that that thought has crossed their mind. Oh, I wish that we would play in week three or week four. Uh, because well it's week 1 you got to deal with it uh, in my personal opinion i think it'd be better to kind of have a couple of games get under your belt and then play at week 3 week 4 but you know sometimes you just have to uh, to play the hand that you're dealt
1: Jimmy, Keller Oklahoma fans who are going to be down in the Houston area this weekend where can they get your coverage and listen to what you 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 guys are talking about before during and after the game
2: yeah, we have a, an hour pregame show. Then, of course, uh, the game broadcast, uh, it's on 9.50 a.m. We'll have a postgame after that. So, you know, if people if Sooner fans are going into the stadium, out of the stadium, want some coverage, 9.50 would be the uh, the place to go to get that. Uh, although it would probably be some uh, scarlet-colored go- goggles uh, in terms <laughs> of the production of it. But, uh, you know, we're fair. We're honest. Uh, we know that Oklahoma is a great program, and we're, we're happy to have OU in, in Houston. We're, we're thrilled that the – We're getting the opportunity to play them, and we certainly would love it to to be a constant thing.
1: Jeremy Brennan, sideline reporter for the Houston Cougars. Jeremy, thanks so much for your time, man. Good luck this weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing you.
0: You got it, anytime.
1: See you, buddy.
0: All right, that was Jeremy Brennan. Big thanks uh, to him for jumping in here and spending some time with us. Sooners Cougars this Saturday morning in H-Town. That's what they're calling it down. That's what the kids call it these days. Let's jump back in here. Let's give a little more perspective from the Oklahoma side now. We talked about Oklahoma against the Houston offense. Now let's flip the script. How does Oklahoma win against a Houston defense that ain't bad? Cougars number 20 in the nation last year in points allowed per game. 20.7 points overall. But I don't think this is the same defense. You've got three guys returning on the front seven. Sorry, four guys returning on the front seven. And you've got one guy returning in the secondary. Oklahoma, I mean, it's the same thing as with their with their defense. Oklahoma has to win at the line of scrimmage. You gotta keep Baker Mayfield upright. You've got to open up running lanes for Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon. You win the line of scrimmage. Because I, I think what Oklahoma wants to do is exactly what Houston wants to do. And that is they want to run the football. You can't have a guy like Samaje Perine, and you can't have a backfield of Samaje Ryan and Joe Mixon. You can't have those guys on the field at the same time or individually, however, whatever package they're running. You can't do that and not run the football. Yes, Baker Mayfield is a Heisman caliber quarterback. But let's not forget. And Oklahoma fans, sometimes we are quick to forget because we see so many good athletes come through this program. It's it's hard to remember all the things that have gone on. But in 2008, when Sam Bradford won the Heisman Trophy, DeMarco Murray and Chris Brown each rushed for over 1,000 yards that year. So you had two 1,000-yard backs and a Heisman Trophy quarterback. No reason you can't have that again this year. But you have to win the line of scrimmage, and then you have to run the ball and let the run set up the pass. When you're starting over at receiver, and Oklahoma's not necessarily starting over, but they are starting without Sterling Shepard. And that's a pretty big step. But when you're throwing guys out there like Dede Westbrook, when you're throwing guys out there like Mark Andrews, these guys, these guys, Jarvis Baxter, that Jeffrey Mead, whoever's going to come out there, I think OU is going to go seven or eight deep at receiver this year. And when you're starting over with those guys, you want to let your run set up the pass. You you want that Houston front seven focused on. Stopping Samaj P Ryan, Stopping Joe Mixon. That's what you want. And, and if you'll do that, if, if Oklahoma will, will lend itself to that, I think not only will they have success because of the talent and the caliber of those running backs, but it's going to lead to success in the passing game as well. Because it's going to do what Sam Bradford did best Jason White did it, probably better than any quarterback in the Bob Stoops era. Josh Heupel wasn't bad at it either. They're going to hit the receiver in single coverage. You find the guy that's man-on-man, and you hit Mark Andrews down the seam. You hit D.D. Westbrook on the sideline fade. You throw underneath to Jarvis Baxter. You're going to find that guy because he's going to be there. Because if this offense works the way Lincoln Riley wants it to work, you can't stop the run and play rollover top coverage on the receivers. You have to pick your poison. By the way, those quarterbacks I mentioned, Josh Heupel, Jason White, Sam Bradford, Look who was in their backfield. Kiwan Jones, Adrian Peterson for Jason White. Guy by the name of Quentin Griffin for Josh Heupel. There's a correlation between great running backs and great quarterbacks. And the reason that correlation is there is because the running game sets up the passing game a lot more efficiently then the passing game sets up the running game. Oklahoma has to win the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Then they have to establish the run, let that lead to the pass. And the third thing that they have to do, by the the way, before I get into the third thing, little nugget that's lost, I think, when you're talking about the Houston Cougars, who are an exceptional football team, they're replacing three out of four guys in that secondary. And that's a secondary that literally was torched last year. Houston was 115th in the nation in past defense last season. And now you're putting three new guys out there. It's kind of a 50-50. You could say that there are three new guys with inexperience, so Oklahoma has the advantage. Or you can say that was a secondary that was 115th in the nation last year. How can these guys be any worse? Should be fun. A lot of points are going to be scored on Saturday morning. Establish the run. Let that lead to the pass. Win the line of scrimmage. And the last thing you gotta do is you gotta protect the football. Why was Houston eleven and one last year? Sorry, thirteen and one. I don't know why I said eleven and one. Why were the Cougars thirteen and one last year? I'll tell you why. Here's the reason why. They were thirteen and one because they were plus twenty one and the turnover margin. Plus twenty one. That means that they recovered more fumbles they nabbed more interceptions. 21 more times they took the ball away than they gave it up. But it wasn't a team that was without cause. They won 34-31 on the road at Louisville last year. They won 33-30 to against Cincinnati. 35-34 against Memphis. Their one loss on the road at Connecticut was 17-20. to Protect the football... Protect the football, and you've got yourself more than a puncher's chance at winning this game. Prediction time as we get ready to close out the podcast. Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Crimson. Oh, I almost did it. (laughs) I almost did it. Ten years will bring that out of you. The online podcast of Heartland Sports, -sports heartland-sports.com. No longer Crimson and Cream Machine. By the way, it's a great site. I'm I'm not one of those us or them type people. Both sites with great content. Those guys that took over there are doing a, a bang up job. Big twelve rundown, and then we'll we'll I'll give you my prediction on the OU Houston game. First thing I gotta say is this. There's six teams in the Big Twelve that have garbage games this weekend. Six teams that have garbage games. And I'm not even going to talk about them. Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Iowa State, TCU, Texas Tech. If you lose this weekend, you should get your walking papers. Yes, even you, Kansas. I think you're playing Rhode Island or something like that. If you lose this weekend, you get your walking papers. But what about about the games that are actually worth watching? Let's talk about those. Kansas State gets the ball rolling for the Big Twelve on Friday night, playing at Stanford. I talked earlier in the week on our first podcast about um, Bill Snyder and the Wildcats. Well, look, I, Kansas State's only a fourteen-point underdog in this game. I don't see how. I want. I mean, I, I want the Big Twelve to represent itself. Very well, but come on. What, what did we see out of Kansas State last year that would make you think that they can play within 14 points of Stanford on the road at Stanford? They were 93rd in the nation in scoring defense. 166.7 yards per game they gave up on the ground. And now they got to play against Christian McCaffrey. Give me Stanford and the points. And I'll be cheering for Kansas State to prove me wrong. West Virginia, Missouri. Man, how much fun is this game going to be? If you you get a chance to tune this in, tune it in. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Mountaineers are a 10-point favorite. I'll take them. I'll take the Mountaineers in 10 against Missouri on the road. Sunday, Texas versus Notre Dame. The Longhorns, three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Yeah, give me the Irish. you got to prove it, Texas. Right now, you're hanging your hat on one win in the Charlie Strong era. One win in the Charlie Strong era. That was the win over Oklahoma. It, when, you, when your coach has been there for two seasons, and you've got one win to brag about, guess what you've got? Some of you guys, I think, have guessed it. You've got John Blake. Remember when John Blake beat Texas and all the OU fans were like, woohoo, yeah, our coach, he's got the ship turned around. Oh, you didn't make a bowl game that year. That, that, that win, other than a momentum swing for two weeks, that win didn't mean beans. And right now for Texas, that win doesn't mean beans. You've got one win and nothing, nothing. That would indicate that you can play within three and a half points of Notre Dame. So give me the Irish and three and a half points. And I guess that leaves us Oklahoma and Houston. Sooners are 11 and a half point favorites in this game. Holy cow, guys. I don't play. I mean, I don't gamble, and there's a reason why because I'm terrible at it. But even if I did, I don't think I'd play this game. This game on paper should be. A field goal game. It should be a field goal. It should be a field goal in Oklahoma's advantage. But I don't think it's going to be. I think Oklahoma wins. And I think they win between 14 and 17 points. But there's so many question marks there. First game of the season. So many things out there. And that's why I threw the question out to Jeremy. Would you prefer this game be week one or would you prefer it being later on in the season? Because we don't know. There's so many things about both of these teams. When you look at it, you just say, I don't know. But what I do know for right now, I'll take Oklahoma. Let's go 35-21. Let's give Oklahoma 14 points. 35-21 over the Houston Cougars. We'll be back next week. We'll talk more about it. Hopefully we're talking about a win and looking forward to to Louisiana Monroe. That's going to be a fun game to preview. That might be one of the garbage games in our Big 12 rundown next week that we won't talk about. Essentially, if there's no point spread that we can that we can find, it's a garbage game. And there will be a point spread on Louisiana Monroe. Hey, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. You can check us out Saturday morning. All day Friday, we'll have coverage. Saturday morning, we'll have an open game thread. heartland-sports.com. You follow us on Twitter, at Sports Have a great weekend. Enjoy college football. It is upon us. Boomer Sooner, everybody.
2: I wake up, yeah I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be in a man who wakes up next to you